Hi guys and welcome to this edition of the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about mental health, a very important subject. Um, we missed uh, Mental Health Awareness Week, but a little bit on purpose, so I kind of think we should be aware about this all the time. Although um, I'm not poking holes in any good work that people did during that week and continue to do so. We, this is a very open and frank chat. We talk about a lot of our experiences there's a lot of advice there. And, you know, on the show, we have Pixie, who is a hero, by the way. She's gone through a lot, wants to do a lot to help people. We have Carla, who is a counsellor, uh, very passionate about helping people, very calming influence and a great voice. And Shane, who knocked it out of the park this week. He was really, really good. Really impressed with his input this week, and uh, I love him for it. Uh, I just want to also wanted to open up and just say that we, you know, we have an inbox on Facebook. Uh, it's a lot easier than emailing people. If you're feeling a bit lonely, if you are feeling a bit down, you can message us. I want people to know that the Shrewsbury Biscuit is a safe place for people to to, to speak to to us. If you're feeling low, if you have mental health problems, or even if you're just a bit lonely and fancy someone to chat to, we have a team of people. Um, that's there to speak to. There's me, there's Julie, there's Shane, and you know, we're friendly people and we encourage people to message in if you need someone to talk to. Also, there are many, many ways of getting help uh, for mental health. And you know, it's like Carla explains in this episode, everyone has mental health and it's very, very important to, to keep on track with it. Uh, you know, your mental health is just as important as your physical health. You know, it's not always the best. It's a bit of a taboo for some people. People don't like talking about it, but it's, I really encourage people to, you know, venture out there and, and, you know, try a few things out. And whatever method it is you use, whatever you do that fits you to fix your mental health, do it. And lastly, before we get into the episode, I want to talk a bit about social media. There's a lot going on at the moment, uh, politically. Um, there's lots, you know, racial abuse, uh, sexist peep comments, things like There's lots going on, okay? And I just want people to know that, you know, it's happened to me recently. I had to remove someone on Facebook that I cared about because of the posts that they were putting on was very negative and it was affecting me in a bad way. I took the advice of Jim Hawkins, who was here last week. And I removed them from Facebook. Uh, you know, I can message me on on inbox if you you know the messenger if he wants to get in touch with me. And you know what? I feel a lot better for it. You know, and I want to encourage people to, you know, if there's somebody in a group or if, if there's somebody in a group, you can you can hide them so you can't see their thing. If there's someone annoys you, you can block them. You can remove people, and you, sh- you shouldn't feel bad about it. Even if they're a family member, even if they're a family member and they've annoyed you, take them off Facebook. If they ask why, explain to them. You know, your posts put me in a bad place, so I've chosen to make it so I can't see them. You can message me on Facebook if you need me. It's a great way to just make your life a little bit more positive. Right, so here it is, uh, our episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you to everyone that helped put it together uh, to Carlo and Pixie and to, to Helen as well, who is uh, Shane's mom. She works at the Meal Brace Trinity Churches. She let us use a room there, and it was really fantastic, so thanks for that. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, if you have anything to add, make sure you drop us an email or message us on Facebook. Our email is shrewsburybiscuitpodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'd like to hear your feedback. And, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the episode, and uh, peace out.
Okay, everybody, welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Whiteley, and joined with me today, uh, we have the beautiful Shane Hinton. Hello. How's it going? I'm all right. And we have we have Carla hello. and Pixie. Hello. hello. Hi. Hello. hello. Um, just give me some audio, Pixie. Hello. That's it. Get it right into your mouth there. Get it in there. It's fine. The, the, the stand itself, apart from mine, will actually move and... Okay. Get pushed into your face. Is that um, better? That's oh, that's a lot better. You sound amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and sat with us today is is my my oldest son uh, Leon. He's come up with me uh, for the weekend. He's going to stay with me and what he's here to watch what we do. Like so, this is this is weird for me. <laughs> he's, he's a biscuit in training. He's a biscuit. In tra- he did actually ask me in the car. I was like. Dad, can I come on your show when I'm older? I was like, yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yes. You can be the little biscuit. <laughs> you can be the little biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> um, today, we, we, we put a show together. Uh, we were going to talk about this stigma uh, sort of surrounding mental health and, and things we can do to kind of alleviate the sort of stress that comes with that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it was Mental Health Week last awareness last week, but I don't believe in that. I, I don't believe in mental health awareness week. I think we should all be mental health aware all the time. I'm okay. with True. you on that. Yeah. Definitely. Mental I mean, health it can't, awareness every day. And it can't just be one yeah, day yeah. because Absolutely. we don't just suffer for one day no. and then are and all right the rest health, of the day. Mental health doing as well, not yeah. just mental health awareness. Yeah. Mental health well Trying to see what we can do yeah. to mm. help. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Um and the reason, one of the reasons why this attracted me so much is because, I mean, I've been very open and honest in the last couple of shows about the therapy I'm going through and the sort of things I've been dealing with. And I'm really positive about it. And it's really weird because, like Shane was just saying before we hit record, I am the most socially awkward person you'll ever meet. Like, And it's really weird how I'll just be like, eh, I don't want to talk to a stranger. But then I'll be like, let's do this. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of just how, how I feel about it. Um, I want to. I want to find out a bit about uh, both of you guys. Uh, f- first of all, Carla, can I find out sort of where what your background is and what what why are you here today? How Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my background. Okay. So uh, I grew up in Shropshire. I ran off at sixteen on the National Express bus. Went to London. Fantastic. I worked as a designer, um, drawing pictures. As picked up by a boss at the time. You can draw. Right. Come and draw for us. That was great. Loved it. I liked drawing. I liked people. So I did a lot of that. Exhibited my pictures. Um, did that for a while. Moved to Suffolk. Then realised my family was still in Shropshire and came back here. Um, carried on doing the design work that I've been doing for years. Uh, and did some mentoring with Barclays. Uh, mentoring people in business. Um, and realised that I loved working with people and talking to people and listening to people. And then I started doing some training for counselling for business, um, realised I could do it, enjoyed it, carried on with it, thought I'd do something a bit different, just use the skills. Then I thought, all right, I'm going to carry on doing this and uh, continued, graduated a couple of years ago, uh, love the work, work as a person-centred counsellor now. Um, so really, I've been doing this kind of work for a very long time. But, um, you know, it took me, uh, also took me quite a long time to realise that I really wanted to do it as a job. What do you think it is that drives you to want to do something like this? Is it is it like a, an inbuilt source of empathy that you just have to, you want to help people? Is it Does it help? Mm, that's yeah. an interesting question. Because most people, when they go into counselling training, think, oh, I want to help people. And yeah, we're there to help people, but... More than that, we're there to listen, we're there to help people to work out what is going on for them. 
we're not there to rescue. We're there to really help people to get clarity. Um, for me, that's what it's about. Mm. I thought I was going into it to fix people. We don't do that. People fix themselves with, with the kind of work that we do. And they have the knowledge. They have the ability to fix themselves. And we're there as people to be alongside them and help them. Oh, fantastic. And mm. do, you, do you work, who do you work with? At the well, I'm, um, I work for myself. Okay. So I work in private practice. Um, and then I also work for the Green Oak Foundation in Shrewsbury, um, where I do some paid work and some voluntary work. Um, that's a community interest company. And they offer affordable counselling to the people of Shropshire, not just Shrewsbury. So basically, if you can get to Green Oak, they will see people. Short waiting list, a couple of weeks at the most. Somebody yeah. mentioned that to me. Hmm. Was it you? I don't know. Probably me. It's probably yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> or, was it you? Somebody, it somebody me. mentioned yeah. that to me. They were like, oh, you want to go through NHS, do this instead. I was really lucky with yeah, my situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. thank you for that, Carla. Yeah. It was really nice to sort of get an idea as where you're coming from and stuff. And mm. I, feel like I still do the creative work as well, which is great. So I do a bit of design. Oh. Mostly counselling. I've got days. a bit to add about that later on mm. about um, about that. Uh, Pixie, hello. How's it going? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank I've you. Finally for got me. you on the well, show. Well, I kind of like asked myself really. Didn't <laughs> <I know why>. <laughs> 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 no, I'm really glad you did. You, you got in touch. You were like, um, you, you you told me about your podcast. Um, yeah, I sent where, you a link to the one I did that I um, about the charity that I've set up. Yeah, and what I really liked about your podcast is how how vulnerable it is and how honest and how sort of naked it is in, in some sense, you know, you just, you're very honest about things. And I love that. I absolutely adore that. I think it's really important to be honest because, because mental health is such a massive subject. Um, I just think it's really, imp I mean, it's taken me a long, long time to actually be very honest and open about, about how I feel um mainly because and this might sound a bit weird but for years I didn't know how I felt if that makes sense yeah. I knew I was struggling when I was working any amount of stress I'd go off sick straight away but I never really understood why and it's only when I had my breakdown after I lost my stepdad which would be uh about four and a half years ago now um that everything kind of came tumbling out and I, I think I had to hit rock bottom um, to actually realise kind of what was going on. Um, and that resulted um, in an inpatient stay at a psychiatric hospital for six and a half months. So I was very, very, very un un unwell. But during that time, I learned so much about myself. Some good, some mm. bad, mm. you know. But mm. then that started me off on a very creative path. I did a lot of writing did a lot of blogging um, and sort of like fast forward sort of four, four years and I had this, what I thought was perhaps a little bit of a pipe dream idea to set up a charity and it's all starting to go really, really well and, you know, it's something I'm massively, massively proud of. Um, so, yeah, so I'm here to kind of talk about my experiences, I suppose, and hopefully a bit about my charity. Um, and, yeah, and just have a really yeah. honest, open talk about everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we all have mental health. This is the thing. Mental health exactly, yeah. doesn't mean that we are mm. unwell or that we're mm. well. We all have mental health. Yes. Um, it's important. You know, some people say, come and see me, and they'll say, oh, but, you know, 
you've got it all sorted. I mean, it it just simply isn't true. Hmm. Because I have trained as a counsellor doesn't mean that I am on top of the world and okay all the time. You know, I have had experiences of sitting on the floor with my back against the wall in the dark thinking, what is going to happen next? Where am I going? Um, And and I'm not immune to it. Mm. And in that moment, it's a very dark, lonely place Mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't have family to talk to, don't have friends to talk to. Um, And I mean, I've been there a lot of times, Mm. you know, and I'm lucky. I have a brilliant doctor. And I've been with him for the last eight and a half years. And I can honestly say he has saved my life more times than he realizes because he listens. Mm. He never says anything particularly mind blowing, but he listens. He's calm. And then we rationalize it out. And I think just the fact that he's listened to me, whether it's on the phone or, you know, or whether or whether I'm at the surgery at the time, that to me is is really important. I know when mm. you were saying, when you were in, introducing yourself, I actually wanted to say how important it is to actually find a person you can trust and mm. a person that, that will listen to you. Absolutely, it's just I agree. vital. It's one of the greatest things that people can give to each other is giving their, space, giving their time to listen. We don't have to mend people. No. People are not often not asking to be fixed no. or mended. They are, crying out for someone mm. to listen and, and it's just to be there yeah, for yeah. them at that without moment. judgment and without any agenda absolutely to be there. Yeah, and when you absolutely. mentioned about your your doctor he was there and he listened and that's one of the greatest things that we can do is to be there to sit with someone and to hear them i think yeah. it's, it is also important to when, when you um get to that sort of point where you are reaching out for help it's being able to connect with your with your um either doctor or counsellor or anything like that because a lot of people i've spoken to um in similar sort of scenarios who who i'll try counseling you know didn't work and i didn't like my counsellor and no just never did it again I'm like, yeah, sometimes it takes two, three, four, five, ten, ten counsellors. And you're just like, I I can't connect with this. And then there'll be one, you just click. Yeah, I think that's really right, actually, um, Shane. And one of the things that I say to people in my introductory session is we have to enjoy each other's company. We have to be able to to connect. Yes. If you feel you can't connect with me, say. Yeah. I don't mind because we need to be able to build a relationship if we can't relate this isn't going to work. Yeah. And I may be able to find you someone who you can relate yeah. to. Exactly. And like yeah. when I was going for my counselling, um, you know, I was quite lucky. The first one I went to, I just got on mm-hmm. with straight away, like mm-hmm. a house on fire and uh, never had any, any real problems. You know, where we got on and she was able to, to speak to me in my language if that makes sense yeah. that's important yeah, as well it's it been able absolutely. to find that that common ground between that you can yeah. then you know the, the translation between between you can be you know it's yeah. a lot a lot easier and to if, find someone you feel you can be honest and open with because yeah. not being able to open up and be honest means there are barriers in the way um, and that's important to try and get those which is, barriers obviously out it, of the way. It, that encourages you essentially not not being fully open like mm. what you said about being mm. brutally honest i think where, where I had my turning point was stopping, um, uh, you know, was literally being absolutely brutally honest with myself mm-hmm. and everyone around me. Mm. And that then started the the process off, if that makes sense. It's just being, yeah. just stopping and being like, hold on a minute, right? Absolutely. Come on, yeah, yeah. cards on the table kind of thing like, yeah. to myself. Well, know. it's like, I, sometimes I liken it to carrying a bag of rocks around. 
Mm. You know, every yeah. time something happens or um, when we're dealing with something, a challenge, we're putting rocks in our bags and we're dragging them around with us. Yeah. When we're being honest, we're taking the rocks out, we're having a look. We might decide to put them back and have another look later and we might decide to chuck them over the hedge. It's important because yeah. we choose. I think with, with my happening. circumstances, what, I, what I'd done was... Is, I mean, I can't go into, I don't want to go into, I'm choosing not to go into a lot of detail what happened. You know, growing up, growing up is hard. You know, it's not easy. And some people have a more difficult journey than others. And, you know, I found things hard that I just kind of pushed to the back of my mind. Be the nice guy, be the nice guy, be the nice guy, be kind, hold doors open, you know, do a podcast to try and help people do, do be good, do good things. But then what I found was, is when I was doing things where, where my mind was like, say like, okay, so I'm going to be brutally honest my lad here and me, we fell out recently. Okay. Well, it was something really simple and it, it really upset me. We were playing a game of FIFA and I was losing. I couldn't win. I couldn't win. Couldn't win. And I kept snapping. I kept shouting. You've got to get better at FIFA then, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I'm a nice guy. I, I consider myself as a nice guy. I'm not one of these that'll go around and be like, I'm not racist. I'm not nasty. But like when I was playing this game, it was something in my subconscious. that was just, so I was just coming out and I just didn't like it. And then um, there were certain things that was happening. I, was, I wasn't lazy. I just didn't care about certain things. And like, you know, with my job, for example, I wasn't doing my job. I, w- I wasn't doing my job properly because I just didn't care. And it got to, when it got to that point where it was affecting my family and it was affecting my job, I was kind of like, I need to get help. And it was at that point, that was my turning point. Mm. You know, it was like I needed to do something to change my life. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my kid. I'm going to lose my job. I'm mm. Yeah, lose my podcast. Mm. <laughs> I'll be like Shane on this podcast, and people won't let us listen. <laughs> you know, so. so, like, there's like two different examples there of, of why people go out and get help. Okay, mm. so whether it's like they've hit rock bottom, mm. or whether they've done something that they really regret. What other reasons do people come to you for counselling? You know, what's the the many many reasons? But uh, you know, uh, relationship problems. Yeah, yeah. People come because they think that their relationship is going wrong. Sometimes it can be because they're angry about something else. Yeah. Um, sometimes their re- relationship is not working. But often, mostly that's because they're not communicating with the other person in the relationship or with the whole host of people that are in the relationships with them. Um, loads of stuff boils down to communication. I've always said, you know, I've said yeah. that for years, even yeah. since I was a kid. I've been like, communication's key. It is, absolutely. Key. And open, honest, kind communication can be really helpful um, to not be pointing the finger and saying, you always, you never, you did this, you did this, but to say, I wonder if you realise when that happens, I feel this mm. is a really key one with communication. Can you say that again, but say it to my wife, Karen? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> this goes out to... Uh, <laughs> you can come too. <laughs> but it's no, important it's... to not be combative and, um, you know, to point the finger to be talking yeah. openly with people. Yeah. Um, and it can you know change it's, things for yeah, people. It really hugely. does. And like something which me, me and my girlfriend uh, really work hard on is being absolutely openly honest mm. about anything, everything, you know, just be completely straight up and upfront. Mm. Um, so there's no, no burning, you know, we all fall into a trap of like, Oh, I'm just going to, oh, I won't say anything because it's just easier mm. just to keep your mouth mm. shut. There's none of that in my house. <laughs> she, she was straight out with it, you know, mm. and she, which is brilliant, which I really like. So I don't really pick up on subtle hints very mm. well. <laughs> I don't know whether it comes with the genes but again, or that what. Goes, but like, that goes back to carrying the rocks around. Yeah, exactly. You're going to carry the rock 
you're going to put it in your bag and drag it around or are you going to look at it, yeah. decide what's going on and confront the person and talk about it in mm. a kindly way because otherwise you're choosing to carry the turbulence around with you. And the, the, the other important thing that we have in our house is that we don't shout at each other. Mm. We both talk and if one of us get, starts getting, you know, it's just like, right, we'll table it for five minutes and we'll just go separate ways. Mm. I'll go for a cigarette or something or, you know, we'll just mm. come back to it in a minute. And it's know. okay to shout if you agree that you're both okay with shouting. Yeah. I think that's really important yeah. to yeah. say that some people do shout at each other because they're safe. They feel safe. It's all right. I think, I think, I think it's about agreement yeah. on how you behave I mean, within a relationship. We, we both, me, me and just, you know, I mean, this is just, this is just us, you know, uh, mm. for, our, for our household, we find it works because we've both had, you know, shouty upbringings. Mm, um, and we both feel for ourselves that um, in our pasts, they're in time when we've, we've Ended up shouting when we've not been heard, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we make a exert, you know a massive effort to make sure we're both heard, both sides of the the border, mm-hmm. as it were, you know, which means that we neither of us needs to shout because we're both listening, mm-hmm. you know. So what you're saying is you've talked it through, yeah. you've come to an agreement about how your mm-hmm. relationship works, and that's that's where I was going with the communication. Yeah, exactly. Really, mm-hmm. that if people talk when there are relationship problems, it can help, but it, there has to be an agreement about how to go forwards and that can be a lot of the work that mm. people do in do you think it tends to be more complex when we talk about families um what about the main nucleus of the family you know that mom dad brothers and sisters because you're lumbered with them for the rest of their lives you know well actually you're not no i'm not i chose not this, this, this this is where i, I did mention on um it before like this is where i wanted to dig into the fact that the narcissistic family treat um you know sort of ideology i guess is that, is that the right word you know the, the sort of setup um because actually this is where the misconception is is that regardless of who it is in your life whether they're you know mum dad brother sister cousin uncle it doesn't matter who it is if if they have a negative impact on your well-being or on your mental health or on your life or you know if they're a toxic entity then you absolutely have every right in your power to cut that person out. And you have the right. And that's fine. Choose. And that is exactly yeah. what I did yeah. 12, 12 yeah. months ago. And I was going to say, um, I know um, you commented on it before, that if you're brought up in a family situation where the communication is pretty awful and you're not heard and you're not listened to, as an adult, it's very, very hard. This is me speaking from experience, yeah. great, great yeah. experience, that it's actually very hard to ask for help. Absolutely. And that's why I think it, it yeah. took me far too many years mm. because I was reaching sort of like crisis points and then I moved house and luckily have the most amazing doctor in the world. But, you know, growing up, it was, I mean, my... I hate saying my mother and my father because I've blocked them from my life for reasons I will come on to later. Mm. And my sister, um, you know, she was always perfect. I was always the one who was a nuisance and I was never listened to. I mean, I got bullied throughout the whole of my secondary school life. And my mother had no idea until until, until somebody told her. And this was sort of, you know, probably 10 years after I'd left school because I was just, I felt like I was an invisible person. You know, my sister was marvellous and this and that. And at my first day at secondary, every single teacher said, 
I hope you're going to be as good as your sister. So there was that pressure straight mm. away. And mm. straight away, my head said, well, no, I'm going to be me. And that's why I've gone out of my way to be me. I mm. want to be me as an individual mm. with all my flaws and all my good points rather than be somebody else's clone because I wouldn't be true true to myself. But I think, you know, families can either be very, very good, very helpful, very supportive, very understanding, yeah. or they can be completely the opposite, mm, which makes it really, really, really mm. hard. And it sort of took, oh gosh, a whole lifetime of trauma that I went through that I made the decision 12 months ago to block them from my life. And it's something... It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard. hard because people look at you and like, oh my goodness, but that's your family. And it's like, no. But it's also your then, choice, Pixie, yes, because yes. Um, we have that choice. People say, yeah. I don't have the choice, but we, we do, do actually have the choice about who we have in our lives. If it's whether it's friends or relatives, people that have drifted into yeah. our lives, mm. that when we take a good hard look, they're causing us problems. I mean, I don't, I don't miss them, which I know mm. might sound a little bit callous yeah. to people listening, but. Um, this is one example of not being, of not having a helpful and supportive family. But um, after I had my breakdown, um, I had my second admission for anorexia. Um, I was very, very, very ill. They didn't think I would even survive the weekend. And I didn't see my mother for six weeks. And that's just one example mm. of her behaviour. And I mean, the the staff were absolutely mortified, you know, and I had no, I had no one come and see me. I actually had to go home on the train to go and see my cat, bless her. Um, after six weeks, I, I, I got weekend leave. My mother never once came, came to collect me and I was in Stafford, had to get the train home and back again every Friday home and every Sunday back 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 to hospital she never helped and even when I had like a whole room full of luggage to like bring home I still had to do it on the train that's soul destroying really soul destroying it is and how did how did you find a way out of that I um (sighs) I tried to sort of convince myself that it was okay even though I knew that it wasn't and then, you know, there were just so many instances where they stopped me driving uh, about 18 months ago because my weight dropped again. And um, my mother told me that I was stupid. Um, when she, I mean, she actually took me to hospital in the first place. And she said, the reason I was in this state is because you let things get to you. And I said, it's not a lifestyle choice. I don't buy it at Sainsbury's or Tesco's or wherever you want to go shopping. You know, there was just no un- understanding at all. Uh, and, yeah. you know, uh, that's just like one instance. And when you have 40 plus years of instances, there comes a time mm. where you just say enough is enough. And actually, I used to say to my doctor, this is no no word of a lie, I used to say, my family are going to end up killing me because they were just so toxic. And so I made the decision to block them and I have never looked back, ever. And this is what I was going to ask. And I actually wrote it here. Uh, it's about cycles. Mm. So obviously, like, there, there, for these things to happen again and again and again, I guess there must have been times where you've sort of forgiven your mom, brought her back into your life, she's done it mm. again, she's brought her back, she's well, done the, it again. This is where the the 
this is where narcissistic family traits start getting clever because this is where they, they, they start making it your that that it's your fault yes that and then you that it's your fault that you know <laughs> that you know the the situation that's arisen even if you're the one that's suffering it's your fault and then you, you know? and then you buy into all that and it wears you down and down mm. and once down. the confidence is knocked to you, it's i mean very i've never been oh i've never to, been yeah. the most confident person mm. ever um but when it's just like time after time after time after time and then you just stop talking and you almost stop talking to everybody mm. because you feel that you're just so worthless and i can honestly say in these last 12 months yes excuse me yes there's been peaks and troughs but generally without them in my life i'm a much stronger person because i mm. haven't got that constant nag 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 all the time and like stupid texts and ridiculous mm. phone calls like mm. she used to come and pick me up when i used to have to go to the outpatient services at eating disorders to have my weight monitored and she'd say you know she said oh well, you're so stupid not being able to drive why can't you eat and then i said to her one day you know please please don't say these things it's really hurtful and she said i'm going to ignore what what you've just said and i'm like i really am talking to myself now mm-hmm. and as i say you know you can cope with a couple of isolated well, insta- in instances but not a lifetime of them the, the problem is is that in that kind of scenario you're not playing your role within that family you know the, the family tree the narcissistic family tree mm-hmm. yeah you're not doing your role and that's what the problem was mm-hmm. um i'm not saying i'm not a trained counselor by the way i'm not just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> i just know from my own research and my own um experiences and stuff you know something i've learned is that as soon as you stop doing your role doing what you're expected to do um, that's when uh, things start going wrong, and that's when you know uh, for, for the for the narcissist it could be and it could be anybody it could be your grandma it could be your mum dad you know it doesn't matter who it is the person is in the driving seat where the family tree comes up to and the person that's sat at the top you know as soon as you're not behaving correctly as far as they're concerned that's when they will then try and manipulate you into doing exactly what they want you to do and it's all these you know? mind mind yeah. games and some somebody actually said to me a few months ago once you stop letting them play the mind games they've got nowhere to go yeah mm. it takes the power away yes um, yeah. and it is it, all yeah. about the power in the very much the same way as when we approach someone and tell them uh, when that happens this is how i feel and then we zip and we say nothing else they have nowhere to go with that mm. because you're not saying, and what do you think about it? Or mm. you're not saying you did this. You're saying when you say this or when you do this, this is how I feel. And there's no argument with that because nope. that's you saying this is how I feel. And I mean, mm. I felt throughout my whole life that my sister is two years older than me. She's married. She's got children. Um, I'm not married. I don't have children. But that's the choice I've made. But it was always throughout my whole life, you know, I've got to be as good as her, I've got to be as clever as her, I've got to be this as her. And it was only when my stepdad came into my life when I was 18. And I remember writing about it. And it, it's like I went from a from a world that was black and white to a world that was full of colour because he was so much fun. He was amazing. I mean, mm. he had his faults because, unfortunately, his coping mechanism was alcohol. 
um, and he died of alcoholism. It'll be five years ago this Christmas. Um, but we were busy mates, mm. you know, mm. and we, I mean, <laughs> we used to laugh until we cried. Mm. You know, mm. I'd go clubbing because I was never allowed to go out when I when my parents were still together, he'd pick me up at any time of the day or night, you know, and I could tell him anything. <laughs> but then when he became ill and he sort of became ill probably two years before he died, and it's only now I look back that I've realised it all, how controlling my mother was, she wouldn't let me see him. And it's the same when my grandma died, she wouldn't let me mm. see her. And... My grandma and I were really, really close. You know, I'd go and stay with her every weekend. I'd spend school holidays with her. You know, she was the mother that I never had, you know. Mm. And she took me up in bed at night, you know, with the electric blanket, which is quite scary to think I love. But, you know, <laughs> she was just so loving. Mm. And the same with my stepfather. And, um, you know, she'd say, oh, you know, well, you, boy, well, you can't go and see Mike today because he's not well well you can't do that because he's not well don't text him don't ring him don't see him so in the end I used to kind of have to sort of sneak and see him which was awful and the last time I saw him it would probably be a couple of months before he died and um he could he couldn't really walk very well so he had a hospital bed downstairs and I will never I mean this is imprinted on my mind forever um he 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 was asleep when I went there so I kind of like loitered for, for a bit mm. um and then he woke up and we like chatted for a bit and then we had this massive hug and looking back it probably was a goodbye hug and he said to me um I can sleep at any time but I can't see my busy mate at any time and mm. we just had the most amazing hug and um sadly the alcoholism affected his mind um and he um, was found dead uh, um, on the floor two days before Christmas. And I think, I mean, that just devastated me, absolutely yeah, devastated me. Yeah, and the thing is, is my mother sort of told me all these stories about him and she, I wasn't allowed to ever talk about him. I couldn't grieve for him mm. when she was around, even though I spent the whole of Christmas and New Year just crying and crying and crying because... I'd lost my best mate. And even now with things, I think, oh, I'll just text him. I think, I oh, know I can't. Mm. And I know I with this, I've done a couple of radio shows in the past and with my charity, I know he would be cheering me on. And mm. and I, I'm sure he would be sat here now, can, you know, can in hand, but he would just be so proud and he'd be loving it. And, you know, I've missed having... He never wanted to be my dad. He just wanted to be my, my best mate, which was fine, brilliant. Um, and I just miss that somebody being there. Mm -hmm. because, Having a cheerleader. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, mm. where, where my grandma died, because we were very close and it'll be, I think it's 12 years ago next month since I lost her. And again, we were really, really close. And then, unfortunately, she had these little mini strokes and she had to go into a home. And then, again, my mother. And it's only looking back, I realise it. Oh, well, you can't go and see her today. And then she had a massive stroke, ended up in hospital. I said, oh, I'll go and see her. Oh, no, no, don't do that because, it, because it's not her. But yet my sister went and then she died the next day. So I never got the chance to say goodbye. So, Pixie, now and do it's you devastating. feel that you're... 
you're in a position now to make decisions for yourself and to be absolutely to not be taking responsibility for other people's yeah. behavior i feel like a totally <clears throat> different person mm. and i know alex knows but um my name now is not is not my 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 birth name and the reason I chose Pixie was because a medium lady said I looked like a pixie and my stepdad used to call me Pixie. So that's why I changed my my own name. But yeah, since I've sort of been on my own, if you like, with no family or whatever, or blood relations, I just feel like a different person. Mm-hmm. And it's a person mm-hmm. who's now able to think for myself, which I know sounds mm-hmm. a bit ridiculous, but it was like I couldn't think for myself before. Got your voice now, now. Mm. It's I don't stop 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 talking mm. now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good because mm. like yeah, it's it's probably all those years where you were told what to sit, what how to speak and what to speak and mm. and, and you what almost to do. become a bit zombified mm. yeah. because because you're not heard and you're you're not listened to, you just give up. Well, and you is, almost yeah. lose the power to be able to talk. But that takes away all confidence when somebody's yeah. so controlling. Yeah. And oh, it takes away absolutely. the feelings of autonomy yes. that we all need. Yes. Um, that's very, very difficult. It's almost like being brainwashed in, mm. in, yeah. but in I mean, a way. You can, you can also be, you can also go the other way. So like you can be brainwashed in, in respect, like, you know, almost like it's a zombified, but also the other way. So like in my personal experience, you know, um, I was I was always like the bad guy, is in, but in the sense like I was always the one to kick off. It's always my name being chucked around the table, that kind of stuff, like you know. Yeah. Which meant that as I sort of grew up, I kind of had this image of what um, a, a, a inverted, but I hate this term, but you know what a man's supposed to be, kind of thing, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was which was measured on how many people they could hit mm-hmm. or how hard mm-hmm. they could hit, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So was that stuff that had been given to you, oh Shane? About to say, yeah, but the, yeah. the, all this stuff was actually formed uh, through labels that were given to me, mm-hmm. and you live into them because mm-hmm. yeah. that's what you do. You know, um, well, that's it. I've, I'm Shane, and I've always done this, so, so we carry gonna, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I, yeah. so it meant that when by the time I got into adulthood, and what actually sparked my sort of turning point was uh, my ex-wife kicking me out, you know, and going for my divorce, that kind of stuff, um, which meant that. Um, I'd sort of stopped, and luckily, my two fair, my older sister, um, which is kind of a bit of a weird polar opposite thing to you know for us two, because my my older sister was uh, she's been a massive pinnacle part of this mm. kind of nose turn that I've had. Um, I was on a one way street, you know, I was mm. I was in a bad place basically, yeah. You know? But my mind didn't manifest in myself. I went outwards, mm. you know. I I go out. I, yeah. don't, I don't go yeah. in, you know, so I got angry and I got, you know, expressed. It goes purple. It goes purple. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> um, so, you know, my sister had a massive pinnacle part of that sort of change. So she walked me through a lot of it. Mm. Um, but what I suddenly realised was actually I could give myself labels. Mm. And actually, you know, I could I could take those labels and I can alter them and I can change them because... You know, one of the most powerful things in the human psyche is how you um, explain yourself to yourself, mm. how you describe yourself to yourself. And I and I learned that, and I started to exercise that, and it was hard because when you got those labels that are ingrained into you so vividly yeah. and so hard for so long, and they're the beliefs into that we you, grow you know? up with can be very yeah, exactly. very powerful. And mine, like, mine was you're shy, yeah. so I grew up. Oh, Being I'm shy. Carla, and I'm shy. Yeah. And then I got to kind of. 15, 16 and thought 
No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. really uh, quietly considerate, but also quite able to hold my own and have a conversation. Yeah. So for me, my reaction was to pack my things and leave. See, mine was the complete opposite. I was always told I was mouthy. My mum was always like, you your are. mouth's going to get... <laughs> oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> and my mum was like, your mouth is going to get into trouble. But, you know, mm. no, look what's yeah. going on. But we but, can carry those labels with yeah. us. We yeah. have to be... It's, it's a great thing to become self-aware and to start to understand who we are and what the things are that have been given to us. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. You know, and, and we but, can, we choose. But what happens to someone when they lose that power? I mean, let's try and help someone. Mm. That's similar, similar in my, in my situation. Words, Alex, words. <laughs> in a Not similar... That get into trouble, mate. <laughs> <laughs> in a similar situation to me, whereas like, yes, I am super confident and yes, I'm really outgoing and I can speak to anyone. But yeah, I find myself freezing up on a playground. I'm losing my superpower. Mm. What would you say to someone similar to me? How would you... This isn't like the sneaky we missing. Help me! <laughs> Free therapy. No, but what would you say to someone that, that needs to gain a bit of confidence? Okay, so firstly, I, I, I don't... Counsellors don't diagnose. No, they no, don't no. tell yeah. people what's wrong. They look at what's happened. Yeah. They look at who you are now and, what's, and maybe what's gone on in your past. Um, what would I say? Most people are made up of different facets. You know, you have no idea what's going on in other people's lives. You may see Mr. Confident. You don't know whether he falls apart mm. in other circumstances. And actually you know? confidence and can be a big yeah. mask yeah. for actually being incredibly shy. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, yeah. and introverted. Yeah, yeah. But because, they, as you say, they see someone confident and yeah. la- larger than life, they, they don't sort of think that that's perhaps hiding something. No. That's right. Because that's a way of coping. Yeah. I often work with people who are going through change. They may be doing some new things and they're frightened. Um, Because change is really scary. And people don't realise that most people find change frightening. Yeah. Um, And once we start to accept that everyone has their stuff that they're afraid of, Everyone gets yeah. nervous. I, I, I challenge anyone to say, oh, I never get bothered about anything. Um, I work with people when they come into the room, they say, I'm really scared when I meet them for the first time. And I say, okay, I'm going to share with you that when I'm meeting a client for the first time, I might feel a bit anxious yeah. mm. because I've never met you before. Mm. So I have that feeling of, you know, what's going on? Are, are, are we going to get on? Um, I yeah, think, it's, yeah, it's I mean, sort of going back to a bit to to Al. I mean, with regards to uh, being being confident and stuff, I think, especially as a man, mm-hmm. there is there is a, a, a another pressure from you know with just being a man mm-hmm. because you know blokes are expected to behave you know be a certain mm-hmm. be a, you know I hate I hate the term be you know um, man up and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to be quiet or you know, reserved or emotional or, or nervous, you're not supposed to. And you you're know, like, not, and you're certainly not meant to cry no. as mm. I've never read a lot about yeah. lately, you know, yeah. oh man up, don't cry, mm. don't you yeah. know. Yeah. And like, you know, it's But that's normal. Yeah, and of course it is, yeah. A lot of people again it's I think it's a generational thing as well, because like for example, like my dad, he's not well my mum would probably tell, say differently, because she obviously would see a different side to my dad, but mm. we certainly never saw um, an emotional dad. Mm-hmm. He was all very, you know, hard man, like a hard mm-hmm. face, and he yeah. never got upset, and, uh, you know, and um, 
which meant obviously as as I got brother, like you know, mm. as lads, we were just like you took well, your cues from what you saw. Yeah, exactly. You. So like, right, yeah. okay, well, yeah. that's how we're supposed to be. But actually, mm-hmm. you know, something I try and drill into my kids: it's absolutely okay mm-hmm. to be upset. That's yeah. absolutely fine. You know, yeah. it's absolutely okay to be angry. Mm. That's fine. You know, because mm. my lad does does struggle with his with his temper. You know, mm. and I say to him all the time, I'm like, you know, that's fine. If you're angry, that's absolutely okay. But it's an interesting you know? one because people say, like Alex, you said, if I get nervous, what am I going to do? If I get anxious, yeah, what this is do? what I'm learning learning on at the moment. Yeah, like, you know, but just... but we say anxiety. I see lots of people. They come to me. They say, I've got anxiety. But what does that mean? We can pull it apart. Anxiety might be the top word that we're looking at, but what's it made up of? And, and then we try and, and it can be people. shame, it can be sad, it can be hurt, it can be frustration. Um, insecurity. Insecurity yeah. made up of so many different things. And yeah. the really important thing, I think when we're talk, when I'm talking to people or when we're talking about feelings is to try and identify that it isn't just one. It wouldn't just be anger. Anger might be made up of many different things. If the top level feeling is anxiety, what's underneath it? What's going on for you? Mm. It could be that you feel you want to please the people around you. So that could cause anxiety. Uh. It could be shame about something. There's many different facets to what's going on for us all the time. Mm. Sorry, I know I'm making some weird faces. My mm. mixer is on. It's on the. I'm pretty sure it's about to die. Uh, it's just yeah. <laughs> it's making some weird noises and. This is, this is, I feel like there's certain things I've found easier to deal with um, than I guess others. I guess I'm lucky in a way. I mean, uh, with my dad living in Ireland, my mom, me and my mom, we're close, but when I don't need my mom, you know, I don't mm. need cuddles and things. I, I can kind of deal with things. So, like, when it comes to like, things like anxiety, I'm not like, oh my God, this is the end. Uh, what am I going to do? Panic, panic, panic. Can't do this. I'm kind of like, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. let's deal with it you know mm-hmm. that's what i did straight away um and I, I you know i feel sorry for people that, that that can't do that they kind of panic they don't know where to go they don't know what to do to be fair you know that's mm-hmm. a bit like how me and you met yeah in all fairness yeah. because like I, I met al at the prison mm-hmm. you were kind of like where i am right now <laughs> sort of like like uh, you know i was just going back going through my about to start going through my divorce actually i think I can't remember. I was, I was you no. Know, it was all in the in motion. Put it that way. Um, and I went to the prison. Uh, I was acting there, and Al turned up because uh, he was like, "I want to meet some new people." So mm. he just come walking in, and bless him, he was, he was like a a lost sheep. He was. It was quite funny. Love shuffling. He was like, "Hello, I would like some friends, please." And it, and it was so cute. Bless him. And uh, and I turned around with an eyeball hanging out, and like my brain out, and makeup all over my face. And I was like, "Yeah, come here." And I started doing his makeup. But then we got talking. And me and Al found that we actually had a very similar background, mm. you know, like in fact, weirdly similar in some in some senses. And um, and I was saying while well, I was struggling with my temper and and you know, um, anxiety and that kind of stuff and lots of stuff going on and you know, I'm struggling. And we got talking about that, and he just said, "Oh, you should come on the podcast." Mm. And I was like, "Oh, okay," because you know, this is what Al does. Hence why he's really good at this, you know, doing podcasts. You think I'm good well. at it, but there's me just twiddling things on my mixer right now. I'm just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> <He's>, uh, <laughs> you know, in, this is what, sorry to talk for you, mate, but like, uh, I can see you busy. <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> to keep you guys going. This is what Al does to help with his, with his mm. anxiety. You know, he, he just sort of sinks himself into his mic. And um, 
he says, you know, come on a podcast. And that's what I did. I, I come, on a, come on a couple of the episodes on the other podcast and, uh, and that's where it kind of went on from there. Mm. You know, and it's, it's just quite nice the fact that we both managed to sort of find each other and mm. then both kind of help each other out because obviously whenever I have a bit of a, uh, a wobble. wobble patch, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll <laughs> at least have a whinge. Like, yeah. You know, and the it's, it's nice well, having that know. because I, I, I've had that in the past. I mean, I was talking on, on the other show with Thorskin. I was talking about two show, two songs that changed my life, and it's those. It, I just, I think, I just attached them to an incident in my life where things just suddenly took a change. Mm. I don't know, mm. um, and I feel like the the podcasting is similar to that. It's like self therapy, especially with the with the other show where I can kind of swear and be a bit more raunchy. <laughs> and kind of like, Guys, this is what's happened today, and I don't like it. You know, that's, in that's certain really words, interesting that you say that because one of the things that I always say to people when they come into the room and start to talk to me is, talk to me as you. If you get cross, if you want to laugh, if you want to talk in a horrible way about somebody, if you want to swear, just be yourself. Because the minute that people start to edit themselves, again, they're putting barriers up. And I'm always very open with people. Be you. Yeah. Because it's really helpful in mm. a counselling situation to be yourself. Yeah, definitely. Well, the only expert on you is you, isn't mm, it? You know, absolutely. And, um, and no one can tell you what's right for you. No. It's only no. yourself that can do that. And that's yeah. important for anyone listening to know that a counsellor is not an expert in you. No. Yeah. You are your expert. You're there to 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 have someone along, alongside you in a 50-50 relationship with no power who's not going to tell you what to do, but who's going to be there and listen really openly to you. Yeah. So I, mean, I might just want to outline, again, just from my perspective as well, mm. um, if anybody is listening that... Um, that hasn't done counselling and wants to do counselling, then you know, don't think that you're going to be sat in a room with a you know, spotlight on your on your like face, a dentist, you know, being like, you know, <laughs> right, you know, what is wrong with you, you know, and it's all really daunting. It really isn't like that, you know. In my experience, I've walked into a room, I got given a cup of coffee, you know, and the first couple of days, I was just chatting, yeah, about absolutely. just anything. I can't, yeah. I can't even remember the first couple of times to be honest. Mm. It was just so chilled, yeah. And it's, is it the way counsellors operate? I find fascinating because. Um, for example, my counsellor, I was I was talking, 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 talking. I was talking about you know my mum and my sister and you know all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff, just mm-hmm. rattling on. And also, my counsellor didn't really say a lot for the first couple of times. And all of a sudden, she sort of just turned around. She went, "Okay." She's like, "Well, I heard you talk a lot about your sister and sort of mm-hmm. talk about your brother mm-hmm. and talk about your mum and all this sort of stuff." She goes, "You haven't really spoken a lot about your dad." Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, okay, oh, "Do you want to don't talk about that?" I'm like, "What?" Yeah. And she and I'm just like, Did, "Didn't I?" And she's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's <laughs> you know, our role. Yeah. yeah. And absolutely. I'm like, and I completely yeah. didn't even realise, yeah. you know. And then it's quite funny because I I, I realised through counselling mm. that I can get a little bit evasive. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I kind of try and sort of dodge. And that's one of my subjects. questions. I I'll was say, very yeah. good at doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Once I've been working with people for a while, I'll say, um, hmm, you're deflecting. You know, yeah. What what you what what aren't you saying to me today? Yeah. Because sometimes people, you know, weigh into our relationship. People come in and they say, "Oh, it's raining loads today, and yeah. oh, it's been a bit horrible, and I'm a bit cold, and my daughter's done this, and my dog's just done this," and and I say, "Okay, yeah, I let it go for a little while, yeah. and then we try, and then I'll say, "Well, what's going on? What's underneath the dog and the daughter yeah. and everything else?" I had I had um. Quite a bad experience with a counsellor. Nothing mm. morbid or anything like that. Mm. But um, I was an angry little child and I wanted to break things and punch people and shout at people. Uh, and um, so they, they sought me out a counsellor. And I went there 
And you know when you walk into a room and you a you're nervous about what's going on, but you're still really angry and got all this energy. And I went in there and he was really nice. <laughs> he was How really nice. I was just like, I can't, I can't be angry at you. And he's like, okay, take a seat. And he just sat there. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what is this? <laughs> I can't deal with this. And would you would, would you say that? Would you say that like counselling mm. just isn't for everyone? Um, you got to be in the right place. Mm. Yeah. You got to be ready. And that's part of what I will say to people. Are you here because you want to be or because somebody's told you you should come? I um, have been there yeah, many yeah. times. It doesn't work. It's not <laughs> going mean, to work. I will readily admit I really struggle with going to therapy. Mm. I have tried. Obviously, when I was in hospital, I had to have therapy and we had to attend group lessons. Mm. Um, have to. Had to. Had Hard, to, that yeah. is, to hear. And yeah. um, because that was like part of the rules or mm-hmm. what you know um i'd already had a previous admission for anorexia uh 17 years ago at a different hospital and the groups there were a lot 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 better um this time we sort of the program ran for six weeks and obviously because i was there for like six six and a half months you did the same program goodness knows how many mm. times um but my eating disorder consultant always laughs with me um and he used to say that my attendance at therapy was very patchy and I sort of (laughs) laughed and went oh yes because I always found it too hard to talk about myself yes yeah and with you saying that that you have to be in the right place yeah, and about absolutely. what people do and don't talk about. Mm. I used to have a community uh, mental health worker that used to come and see me at home. Mm. And all I talk about were my cat and my old horse. Mm-hmm. That was all I talk about yeah. for each session. Because it was safe for you to yeah. do it that. It was safe. And I used mm. to say to my doctor, I mean, it's lovely. I mean, I can talk about them for hours. Yeah. Um, but that's not really it's helping not getting under the me. Yeah. So yeah. I tried cat therapy, not as in, furry cat therapy mm-hmm. as in cognitive yeah. analytical therapy mm-hmm. for people who don't know um what is that um oh, now cognitive analytical analyzing you know sort of like i think your experiences and and things but because i mean i must admit there was a lovely therapist i saw whilst i was in hospital and the staff always used to say i was okay there because i had the support 24 7 while I was there mm. but the minute I started to have therapy in the community I just couldn't cope with it mm. and a lot of it was through eating d- disorders obviously because of my anorexia um but because I have other mental health di- diagnoses um I have bipolar type 2 borderline personality disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder because of what I've been through it was very hard for them to put me in a hole because it was like putting a square peg yeah. into a round hole. And it hole. doesn't work for everybody. No. This is the thing. It's and really important. I used to, to say to them, that. you know, you can't just pigeonhole me there no. because it's not just an eating disorder. And don't get me wrong, having an eating disorder is hardcore because mm. it's, it has the highest mortality rate of all mental health di- diagnoses. Mm. And on top of everything else, like, you know, everything is like four times the um, challenge. And I used to say to one therapist I saw there, I don't want to talk about that, which was 
turned into the huge elephant in the room, which just grew and grew and grew. And when the pressure got too much, one day I just picked up my bag and, and just walk, walked out. And I've just found me, my doctor, obviously he isn't mental health trained, but because he is such a good listener, and I mean, he knows everything about me, and I mean everything, you know, um, and he's been a huge support. Um, That's really good. But I've just found, you know, therapy isn't for me, but I've done other things. But it sounds like there is therapy me. in what your, your yes. doctor is offering yes. in that he's there and yeah. he's supporting and he's listening. And I just want to yeah. say so very, very quickly on yeah. sort of therapy, um, animals, because mm. I must talk about them. Yeah. I have a rescue cat and I have a rescue horse. Mm-hmm. And they are amazing um i lost my old horse just over a year ago and i got an ex racer rescue horse and both him and my cat are just such a huge motivation factor Mm. for me to stay well it's really hard um but it's about it's a lot of it's about unconditional love which i've never experienced but i just think animals are just the most amazing therapy I would agree with you for me that. personally yeah, yeah. anyway yeah. you know they yeah. they I always say they have rescued me hmm. as much as I've rescued them yeah. it's a two-way process and I just yeah. had to mention that's why I keep Shane around you're my rescue yeah. animal Cheers, mate. You, yeah. you give me support I've um, worked with quite a lot of people who who um have animals have dogs have cats and they find that unconditional love yeah in a time when they're really struggling it's amazing i mean as i say i've only had my horse for just over 12 months we have the most incredible bond and people think we've been together like for years and years and years Mm. but it's just we're just in sync yeah and you know every day i can't wait to get up so i can go and see him you know and before i had a horse i sort of struggled because perhaps i didn't have to go out of the house as much whereas now i have to be well enough to drive I have to be well enough to look after him because looking after a horse is mm. a full-time job, you know, and they just give me hope. And mm. I think it's so important that... And no judgment either. Exactly. They're, they're there for yeah, you. Yeah, you know. You're there for them. They're there for yeah, you. It's yeah, it's just amazing. There's a lot yeah. about there's a lot about support animals in the in the news and, and like in the media lately. There's lots of like mm. planes, things like that. But, you know, it's really encouraged, isn't it? You know, support work. And you know, a lot of... Quite a lot of... Psychiatric hospitals do have pets as therapy. Yeah. yeah. When I was mm. in Stafford, um, there used to be a dog that used to come. Um, and I know um, my previous admission was with the Priory Hospital. That was the hospital that they used. That that wasn't me being all posh and you know, <laughs> I go to Priory Hospital. Um, but I I follow a lot. I follow them on social media, and they have um, pets as therapy too. Mm-hmm. You know, and it mm. is hugely important. Mm. And it's something I just rave about because, you know, they just give you something. Mm. Can I go back to what you said about, you know, just back to about your doctor. You found this doctor who listens, who's there, who understands you. For me, the kind of therapy that I do, which is person-centered, which is all about building a relationship and being there for somebody. That's it. What you said, being there, listening, understanding, not we don't understand everything because we can't because we're not that person who is there with us 
but we try to put ourselves in that person's frame and in that map that of the trust. world and the trust that's yes. right absolutely i mean yeah. to be honest when i first went to him i used to find him just a little bit scary mm. i mean now i mean the only time he sort of flounders a bit is when i cry because i don't cry very often with him and then mm. he kind of starts to panic about what i'm gonna do but you know if I'm having a crisis, I can just ring him up and he will literally ring me straight back, you mm, know. Mm. I can get an emergency appointment with him, you know, he'll ring me up or I can go and see him, you know. Mm. And it's having, because I have massive trust issues and I think it's really important to be able to find either a counsellor, yeah. doctor, the therapist, continuity of whatever. care. Yes, it's continuity yeah. of care and so it's important. trust. Yeah. And yeah. I think, yeah. you know, that's Absolutely. one of the reasons I have floundered when it when it comes to therapy mm. because I have massive trust issues. Yeah, yeah. And I think you can't engage fully in anything until no. you trust somebody. Uh, I would agree with you. And I think that that's the real um, key point with yeah. the work that I do at Green Oak and also in my private practice that it's not a limit to the number of sessions that people can have. So people will come in. And I'm not saying you can come here eight times and then you've got to be better because mm. that isn't going to work. No. Or, Some people it might. It might, no, but it might. But it, it might. It, it isn't yeah. a thing to be setting that out in no. the first instance. No. And then there's so the pressure to think, that's right. I've only got I, eight yeah. sessions. Oh my God. I, 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 and I'm not okay. I've, I've got to feel better. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Excuse me. Um, uh, and if I don't feel better, I must have failed. I'm a failure. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I think it's really important to highlight that that open-ended offer mm. in our county is really important. We can say you can come for as long as you need to. I saw two people last year who came to me for 24 sessions each. The average last year was about six when I did my figures for the year. But 24 mm. sessions. And... They'd both finished, you know, at that point and they were ready to go and get on with things and were, felt they'd yeah. worked up some resilience, but yeah. they know that they can come back. And yeah. that that's the key, hopefully, isn't it? You know, as long as I'm still around, I'll be there. Um, but there's the continuity there and the feeling yeah. that somebody's not going to say, right, okay, that number of sessions you've had those, that's over. We can't mm. guarantee that the person's going to be there. I can't guarantee that I won't drop off this mortal coil but as long as i'm doing the work i can make the offer to people i think it's important do you think we can um swerve this towards sort of the workplace for a little bit oh i wanted to talk about that you read my mind i was just gonna say can we bring this around to the workplace because um obviously that's like where i'm at right at the moment and i'm really selfish and i want to talk about what i want to talk about (laughs) no um no because i think it's really important because Work isn't easy sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are under pressure, especially nowadays when you, you know, got people doing jobs of like three people mm. for the same amount of money and, yeah, yeah. you know, especially people in retail that are like, oh, you didn't put enough pieces of chicken in my KFC bucket. I want to speak to the manager and all that sort of stuff. It's hard, right? It's really hard. And especially with someone like I, I work in support, like I, I, I got, I developed these myths inside my head these demons like if i tell them that i'm struggling with anxiety they're going to tell me that this isn't the right job for me blah 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 blah, blah. and that's absolute nonsense because the, in fact in actual fact my my manager and my, my colleagues were actually really supportive of me and they really helped me out and you know uh i i don't know why do we make these 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 demons up what what happens there you know is it is it an insecurity is it is it do you feel like you are insignificant because of these these problems 
You know, this is this is what I, I want to discover. There's an element of shame around admitting yes. for a lot of people. And I think it. then you start to compare yourself mm. to Joe Bloggs or whoever, mm. and you think, oh well, well they're well they're who doing appears that. to be okay. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, especially if you're in like. If you're a guy in a, in a really emasculated sort of area like a garage, for example, if you work at the gym or yeah. if, if there's somewhere it's like, oh, bro, bro, and you kind of like, you know, that is an environment where you can't be like, I'm feeling really low. I need a cuddle, you know? No, weirdly enough. Or can you? I, I wonder if you can. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a yeah, stigma. Can. Actually, well, to, yeah. I mean, um, I, in my personal experience of working in, in garages, um, I've never had much of a problem. Mm. In all fairness, um, I've always worked with uh, pretty decent blokes mm-hmm. that just get it. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty sound. But I think straight um, away, as soon as you say garage, you think of a blokey culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't you? And maybe that, is, that, that's a fault of mine, mate. Which is stereotyping, yeah, which yeah. is wrong, yeah, but that's yeah. what you think. But, yeah, no, yeah. but you say about that, I mean, I've worked with people who work in labouring industries, mm-hmm. men. And I mean, like you say, you know, blokes. Yeah. Mm. And, and they come to talk to me and it's difficult for a first couple of sessions and they come because and they have been grown up with the idea that they are hard as nails yeah Uh, and then i will challenge and i'll say but you're not Mm. and no they're not because it's a mask that they have Mm. learned to wear Mm. and when the mask comes down eventually um when we gain the trust Mm. and the mask is lowered gradually um you know there are people are people we are all human yeah 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 i I used to be a healthcare assistant um and i'd started the job um when my stepdad had become quite poorly and that was in the july um four years ago and i was starting to struggle um got signed off for two weeks on compassionate leave and then I just struggled all the time. My anorexic thoughts kicked in. And I used to cry on every shift. I worked three or four, 12, 12 and a half hour shifts a week. And, you know, you sort of be given a hug and a pat on the back. Right, you know, come on then, you know, there's blood pressures to do. There's what, you know. And on what turned out to be my last day, um, unbeknown to me at the time, <laughs> I um, was on a shift with no sort of real friends that day which was quite hard I was feeling really unwell but didn't know why um we had a new patient in and (laughs) he said to me gosh you're so cheery at this time in the morning and I said well I'm paid to be happy you don't want to see me moping around you know I'm a care assistant I need to be chirpy you know um by half past 11 I was hysterical um I just felt so unwell all morning. Didn't want to go off sick because I'd had three operations in 18 months. My sick record at previous jobs was awful because of this. Um, got back on the ward after break and I said, um, unless you let me go home, I'm going to jump out the window. And I meant it. You know, I was not messing around. And the sister who was in charge that day said, we're not trained to deal with people like you now. Oh. Mm. and you'd you'd think someone in that sort of profession would know better yes exactly and it's amazing because these so-called work friends just disappeared 
it was literally like I died because from sort of having texts from a lot of people, went down to a couple of people after a couple of months, it was nothing. Do you think people were frightened? Frightened of what they didn't understand? Yes. Oh, mm. definitely. Um, because obviously, you know, when someone is threatening to jump out the window, I mean, I was hysterical. Um, unbelievably, they let me drive home. Um, they made an appointment with, with the locum doctor um who upped my antidepressants because i've been struggling you know because none of the antidepressants were working and i was just floundering all the time so i saw this locum and he said i'll sign you off for two weeks um but if you feel better then you can go back and i said to him i'm not going to feel better and then i saw my doctor because i'd only seen my doctor a couple of days before but because i didn't I couldn't explain how I was feeling. I just said that I was <clears throat> excuse me, that I was okay. <clears throat> um, and then he saw me and he just said, what on earth has happened? And I said to him, I don't know, but I know I'm not well. Mm. And then it kind of all started to come out. Yeah. Mm. But it sort of, you know, it took that moment. And I mean, I was very suicidal because I've got to be honest about how I what you know everything I was just snowballing you know I wasn't in control of anything my anorexia was in control of me which I know sounds ridiculous but for anyone who has suffered or is suffering with an eating disorder anorexia can very quickly take over your mind um, without you even realizing it mm. um and it was, yeah, it, it was just devastating to think that all these people who I thought were sort of there for me did disappear. But I, I think it was, a lot of it was fear. Mm. And because they sort of like hugged me and patted me about, right, you know, come on then, let's go back to work. I never really fully admitted to anybody what was going on because I didn't understand it myself. And it was mm. only, as I say, when I hit rock bottom and lower that kind of, 40 years of hurt and everything else just came crashing through the front mm. of my mind because I'd always been very careful to kind of have a bit of a lid on my emotions because that's how I've been brought up um and as I say it it took that for kind of me to make sense I think I, everything I, I, I which had happened you know I I really do connect with you on that because that's 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 me mm. that's me like be the good guy I hold the doors open don't worry about him he can shout as much as he want you know you can mm. you be the good guy you be the good guy you know I've I've taken quite a battering over the years you know by people uh, where I've just gone it's fine don't worry about it I don't need mm. to have my say I can just go and crack on over here it's fine don't worry about it when as essentially long as, as long as you're behaving everything's yeah. okay yeah 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 that's mm. it and you put a lid on it like you said you know you kind of you keep everything and many many people do that they 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 sort of keep loading themselves up and loading themselves up. It's a bit like putting a cap on a volcano. Yeah. yeah. And then one day it, it blows and, yes. it, and, you know, it's very difficult. And it, and it was devastating to lose so many people out mm. of my life. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. again, then it becomes a very lonely place because I wasn't well enough to work. That hasn't really changed, you know, but a lot of people, like we're talking about putting a mask on, um, appearances to a lot of people people will look at me yes i'm thin but people will look at me and think well she's fine mm -hmm. you know i've mm -hmm. got a lovely house i've got a cat i've got a horse i can drive but isn't that the usual Ill. thing that yeah. happens yeah. Yeah. that that we 
as yeah. humans, we look around. Yeah. We don't. We're only concerned with ourselves. I know that sounds horrible, well, we but we look at yeah. we look outwards and we think, oh, they're all okay. Mm. What's wrong with me? Because mm. everybody else is okay, and actually. Mm. It's not true. I mean, going back sort of eight, nine years ago, I worked at the riding stables, which is how I came to have my old horse. And the minute I was diagnosed with bipolar, it's amazing how people just walk away from you. That's fear as well, isn't it? People don't understand. It's the unknown. unknown. That comes out to education, doesn't it, ultimately? I mean, just to sort of um, chuck a question to Carla, really, like, so obviously we're talking about putting a lid on it in the workplace and just Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, um, putting things in boxes and just putting it away and stuff. Mm -hmm. Also, with your job, you're going to... Open the boxes. Well, you're, well, you're, well, I'm on about receiving yeah, it. So you're yeah. listening to a yeah. lot of trauma. And you, <laughs> yeah. if, if I was just thinking of putting myself, say, if I was in a counselling position, you know, I'd be getting angry, you know, because some mm. of the things which I'd be hearing, I'd be like, that's just not right. So I do, I personally have a very strong sense of injustice, you know. So, yeah. like, when okay. things are not fair, I get well, really well, upset I, about it. So I, surely I do like, feel what's happening for people, but I, we do a lot of training to do this work. Yeah. Um, do you find that your drawing helps my drawing um i don't draw as much anymore because um about five years ago my eyesight got very bad oh right <laughs> so i i can't draw as much now i do design work for people right um but i i've had a lot of training so the training is about learning your boundaries as a yeah. counselor so i i have learned what's mine and what's somebody else's um we have a lot of supervision and a lot yeah. of support. So if I've had a very difficult session, I know I can pick the phone up with my supervisor and say, right. this has happened. Am I working safely? I'm feeling this. Uh, you know, can you support me? Yeah. Have and you, have you got it. like a, uh, sorry, I mean, yeah. sure. have you got like a go-to place for you to like just zone out for a bit? Is there something you can yeah. go and do just to... My garden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I I, yeah. I do go away a couple of times a year for a few weeks. And my go-to place, in fact, my place where I would go if I were visualising a relaxing yeah. place, is standing on the edge of the sea, looking out, because there's nothing. Yeah, It's yeah. beautiful, yeah. it's peaceful, hopefully it's quiet. You know, so, I love that. It's so beautiful. You must have a quite a um, a strong sense or or, or um, strong sort of compass of your you know circle of concern and circle of influence. You know, which is um, something which I've been learning quite a lot mm. recently. You know, the stuff which I which stuff circle of concern and circle of influence. So if your circle of influence is bound to be smaller than your circle of concern, mm-hmm. and it's trying to concentrate on the stuff that you can actually influence yeah. around uh, you. It's very important to know, as I said, what's mine. Yeah. What's someone else's? What can I do about this? Is this is this mine to take away? Yeah. It sounds cold, but it's really important because if I'm going to be effective with someone, I've got to be objective. I've got to be there for them. Yeah. But not become involved in their yeah. their stuff that's going on, or their trauma or their drama. Um, I'm really fortunate. I've worked really hard to have a very supportive family. Yeah. I don't take individual stuff home with me to no. to my house. But um Does it happen I, occasionally? What taking it home? Yeah, it's it's bound to leak a bit, no, I guess. No. I can't really. I don't do it because I can't. I might say Oh, oh I've had yeah. um, <laughs> a tough day yeah. or I've had a really brilliant day, something amazing happened. Yeah. You know, somebody's 
finish their sessions and they're flying. They're amazing. I bet when someone has a breakthrough, it must be an it's amazing wonderful. feeling for both them and you. Yeah. And it's wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful to be mm-hmm. able to share that with somebody. And when someone says, um, you know, I think I'm coming to the end. Or actually what happens is I'll say, I sense we're coming to the end of our sessions because I can tell. Yeah. And people go, oh, how did you know? Oh, wow. Kind of, my my counsellor kind of did know. the same. Yeah. She told her, you know what? She said, I think that, you know, next, it's your call. Obviously, yeah. it's completely your choice, because I reckon you're yeah. all right. You and know. mine is, you know, I'll say, I sense yeah. we're coming to an end here. And then that feeling when someone says, yeah, I can do this. Or I think I can do it, is often. Mm. And, and then I'll say, well, the door's open. But it is an amazing thing. And I've worked over the summer. I often work with people who... Um, a home from uni and are worrying about going back to uni. Yeah, because there's a so, lot at yeah, the moment, isn't it? About university students yeah, really yeah. struggling. So, kind with of the um, pressure. June to end of September, I'll have a, a, mm. a load of people who are going back to uni for second year off, often. And we work towards it. We know we've got a limited time. And it's the loveliest thing to work with somebody who says, Yeah, I'm ready. I'm still struggling a bit, but I'm yeah. ready to go back. Well, it's, so. it's easy to find, fall into like the the rut of using, of of having, or it's easy to fall into the rut of receiving the help, um, which which you are absolutely you know are entitled to need, but then using it as a bit of a crutch. Hmm. I think that you kind of um, it's about pe- work. Yeah, doing the work. Yeah, you, this yeah, is what I was going yeah. to touch on as well. Is that counselling isn't just the case of just sitting down and talking. Yeah, it's, it's work. hard. Yeah. It can be hard, Incorrect. and yeah, when you, when hard. you when you when you you know get to that sort of point where you start really digging in, that's when that's when yeah. it gets hard. But yeah. what one thing, if anybody's listening, is thinking about doing counselling, one thing I can absolutely assure you, if you stick with that process and you work through it and you pace it out and you know and you 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 get through to the other side, it's the most invigorating thing you could ever do, mm. and it will it will. It will work. Well, it, it works just, for many people. Some people, like I said before, some people aren't ready or haven't found yeah. the right person. I don't think, I, I, don't think yeah, I could yeah. do it. Yeah. I really don't think I could do it because, like I said, there's so many things I've just kind of gone, nah, that's fine. I, I, li- <laughs> you know? I liken that to getting a mad cat, putting it in a cardboard box, <laughs> taping it in and putting it on a shelf where you can't see it. At some point, that cat's going to claw its way yeah. out of the box. And that's what's happening to me now. But I'm kind of like... If, you, if you're working yeah. it through with someone, you can decide to I, get the cat, let it out, have a look at it, yeah. put a bit more tape on, put it back, have another look. And I um, think it's I think also important. I mean, as I've said, you know, it hasn't worked for me, but I don't think people should get disheartened if it doesn't work first or second no, time, as we've said, not. Keep no, going. already, yeah. Keep going. it's about finding the yeah. right person yeah. and being it, it, yeah. in That's the right, right place. It took me yeah. 40, no, just short of 50 hours, I think I had, yeah. of counselling. Yeah. Um, and that was to, and that got me to a point where my counsellor was like, right, I think you're at the point now where mm. you can start to think about start dealing with this stuff on your own you know obviously she always made made it very clear that that there was it wasn't a gun to me ed you know there there was no pressure but she was just like it was because i kind of got to a point where i was getting a bit like well it's okay i'll just talk about that with my counselor 
And they got to a point where she goes, well, actually, you know, I'm not going to be here. For, you know, I can't be here forever. It's about you know. learning to cancel yourself. Exactly, exactly. That's so it's really it, important. It's getting rid of that crutch mm. and learning Speaking to... Speaking of crutches, I wanted to talk a bit about, like, vices and uh, the, the, the things we hold on to and the things that distract us. So, like mm. you saying, where you're drawing, me and my podcasting, Shane um, doing with work probably with work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and picks at your horse you know and my cat and your cat there, there are those yes. things and people talk about drugs and, and alcohol and things like that and it's a vice and are they vices said, and crutches or are they enjoyable stuff that we yeah. do because we feel safe and comfortable yeah well, well, I mean I'm not talking about necessarily actually I could be talking about drugs or drink but I'm talking about you know your horse pixie my creative work, your podcast, Shane, your stuff, you do your work, your yeah, there are other things that people, there are ways that people relax, lose themselves, are things that people are interested in. I and like to think something which, yeah. which works yeah. for you. I mean, it could be doing a crossword, you know, yeah. or yeah. going for a walk or yeah. whatever, but, and it's like going back to my stepdad and with his alcoholism, it can become just a social, it, it starts off as just a social mm. thing. And then before you know it, it's flipped into something more. And I think sometimes it's hard to recognize that. Mm. Um, the dependence. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. Because once you are de- dependent on something, it's very hard to find another coping skill they've like they've linked haven't they linked um, like social media with like dopamine levels and things like that oh like, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's why people do yeah it's exactly the same there's uh, when you get a uh, text or when you get um, uh, Facebook you know uh, like or, up on your phone yeah, yeah, yeah. and your phone vibrates it literally releases an, you know dopamine in your brain it's an interesting one to um, to sit and quietly and think about that so and to notice what's happening a lot of the work that mm. I do with people is about noticing how they feel so if someone's thinking i'm not affected by my phone it's quite an interesting one to sit quietly wait till your phone goes off and then just let it be and see Mm. how you feel if you let that keep Mm. doing what it's doing because Because it can can be a bodily feeling because then people might get one like for a post or two and Mm. then it might be 10 but then the next day it might be nothing and then you start to go in on yourself and think, well, why isn't it be like that? Mm. I'm not good enough, you know, and... It can create a massive pressure, but there is yes. also the other side of social absolutely. media, which is absolutely amazing for people who might otherwise feel isolated yes. or, Brings you know, the world in a might bit, have something it? to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I find it fantastic for talking to people about the counselling work. Mm. Uh, I've been using it for years. I've been using Twitter since 2008, um, to connect with people who were mm. making art, and I've consequently I'd shown my work in in the states, in on a massive billboard in Colorado, all sorts sorts of places. Um, it can be an opener. It can be isolating in some ways, but it can also it be open, it can whole open new up world. the world. Wait, for I, I've got a massive problem with my phone. I I, I have. I'm I've always got it in my hand. It's I'm always very much aware of where my phone is, and like mm. you know, I'm constantly checking it. And it's a problem, and I do try really hard to to not do that, especially when I'm going out for a meal with my girlfriend because <laughs> she doesn't really. I like did it last it. night. Last <laughs> night, last night, I was I was feeling really anxious last night, 
my, my anxiety was like probably the highest it's been. So I put my phone to the other side of the sofa, completely ignored it and just sat and watched TV. And then when I woke up this morning, I had messages bing, 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 everywhere. It was crazy. Like, um, But it, it kind of felt good just to be away yeah. from it. Away yeah. from, uh, yeah. To uh, be in sec. control. That is about being in, in control. control. Yeah. So do we all know about the Calm app? Yes. Uh, yeah, you do, Pixie. The Calm oh. app. Uh, some, I said this to a client. I said, have you got the Calm app? And he said... Well, I don't want a car map. <laughs> no, no, calm, C-A-L-M, yeah. the calm app. It has relaxations. It has meditations on there. It has uh, peaceful stories. Um, it's got a thing called seven days of sleep, uh, relaxation. It's great. If you've got a smartphone, it's really well worth downloading. Mm. Some people get on with it. Others think it's a bit irritating. But mm. I, you know, I, I often recommend it to clients. It can be useful. I've yeah, actually fixed. got like a relaxation, relaxation and meditation pl- playlist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And quite often, I'll sit or I'll lie in the dark and just yeah. and just listen to it. And yeah, very it very useful. Really helps. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you know what annoys me? Like going back to social media, is like when you're when you're a creator. Mm. Uh, you, you've done design work in mm. the past you'll appreciate this is when you put time and effort in something so like I've made I, I was on the on the ferry back from Ireland and I made this amazing poster with the Shrewsbury Biscuit I logo I was going to say <laughs> make, this is a make yourselves comfortable because I think it's going to be here a while back. I made this amazing poster with the Shrewsbury Biscuit logo bursting through a piece of paper and I had all the places where you can find the show I put it onto Instagram put it onto Facebook I got one like one like well you crushed I was destroyed. I was ruined. So like, you know, this this game that I'm playing right now, this whole podcast thing, is it, it can be quite dangerous for someone in my situation, I, I mm. guess, because like, if I release a piece of content that nobody's interested, like, I've spent three hours... But does it mean seen it, Alex, if nobody's liked it? Yeah, they yeah, that's may the have thing, seen yeah. it, they may be acknowledging it to themselves. I don't, I don't use Instagram because it would just be another time bandit for me, but, yeah. <laughs> just, but, but I might see things on Twitter or Facebook. I don't necessarily like them, but I yeah. might have seen them yeah. and I might think, oh, yeah. I'll." And, I, and if I post a um, an article on my counselling page on Facebook, I don't care how many likes I get yeah. because I, you know, I know people read them. It's, it's not, not about the likes, about, yeah. Mm, yeah. About it's interesting when you're doing it, but like even then, even even back then, I was kind of like, well, I enjoyed doing it. I genuinely mm. enjoyed designing things. So I was kind of yeah. like, oh, that's horrible. You know, I can't believe that. But I was like, well, come on, you had a good time doing it. And it looks awesome. You know, you're a good drawer, Alex. Well done, you. You know, what are you moaning about then? <laughs> <laughs> being a creative person can be quite um, an insular thing. Yeah. Um, and a, a creative person who is creating things to show to other people. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to be confident in what you're doing. Otherwise, it is going to knock you back. Yeah. You know, it gets difficult. It's a, it's a tough one. A commercial designer is someone who, as the way that I've worked for years, is that I have to work in tandem with the client in the same way that I work with a counseling client, in that I'm trying to get out of the client, whether they're design or counselling, what it is they don't know about themselves that they want. It's very much the same process. Mm. Mm. You think of it like that, yeah? I mean, you're about to go on an adventure, Pixie, with your, with your, with your charity. Mm. Let's talk about, a, bit, a bit about that. because Tell us about it. It's very interesting <laughs> that you've gone through this experience, though. What's uh, it called? It's called Pixie Bell Warriors. And... Um, that name actually came about through Twitter. I have two Twitter 
accounts and I have two Instagram accounts not because I'm being vain or up myself but one is more for my charity and one is more for my everyday stuff um and this idea which I thought was kind of a bit of a crazy idea came about early one Sunday morning four o'clock couldn't go back to sleep I'm really creative more so I think since my last hospital admission I'm Hmm. not sure whether there's a link I think there probably is Um, I've always been quite arty crafty but never encouraged I mean I did art at school but because my work was different to everyone else's I couldn't do that because I had to follow this and I didn't want to do that I wanted to do what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. oh sorry um yeah so four o'clock one Sunday morning sat on the bedroom floor me and my cat looking through all my craft books thinking what can I make today (laughs) And I came up with this idea of making some lovely sparkly gift bags, which I will post to our group so you can put them up or whatever, um, for women's refuges. Um, Because I can't say a lot about it because even though the investigation is on hold, it's still a police investigation. And so I came up with this idea of making some homemade things, um, a positive affirmations jar because I'm very into my quotes um I made some hearts and various things so I I've only recently got into Facebook probably in the last year or so so I messaged some refugees on Facebook thinking I'm not going to hear back or no one's going to be interested ping 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 yes please and I'm like oh my goodness I've I've done something done something now and then i sort of widened it to um children's hospitals as well um countess of chester hospital are using my bags to um for their fundraising and i thought right okay how can i um what's the word it's gone completely out of my head how can i grow this make it sustainable Mm, yeah to make it happen so i got some wristbands printed um with pixie bell warriors and my tagline is i'm proud to speak out loud because um with my doctor's support and encouragement um 12 months ago i actually went to the police and that was my thing i'm proud to speak out loud you know Mm. i've done this i've said words i never thought i'd be brave enough to say which actually in a weird way has sort of turned out to be my therapy mm-hmm. because mm. I refuse to talk about it to therapists I go and say no I'm not talking about that and they'd say well surely that's one of the reasons that you're here and it's like I don't want to talk about it and then I just run away mm. and I spent my whole life running away from it and my doctor was like no come on come on come on so actually losing my horse last year turned into this catalyst to make all these changes um so i am in the process of um, applying for some funding to get some t-shirts printed my color scheme is red and purple um and the t-shirts are going to be purple with a red heart saying i'm proud to speak out loud and it's about breaking down the stigma um today i had some very exciting news where i keep my horse which is at the isle at bicton which is an amazing place they have agreed um, I can do some mental well-being walks, um, some arts and crafts sessions. So if anyone is interested, um, they can 
Am I right to give my email address? You give everybody all your details. Okay, plug whatever right, you okay. want. <laughs> my email is pixiebell75 at gmail.com or they can find me on Facebook. I'm Pixiebell Bradbury Jackson. Um, it'd be really nice, even if we only had a couple of people or 10 people, it doesn't matter. It's about getting a group together who can share experiences and just enjoy the outdoors enjoy the exercise because mm. i find being outdoors with my horse is huge therapy for me mm. you know and walking is an amazing thing Walk, and, and the walks yeah, yeah, ar- around the aisle are just out of this there's world there's something really special about being next to somebody um if i can say about um sometimes when we're in the car with someone we might have a really meaningful conversation because we're not sitting face to face and we're there's sitting no pressure. side by side there's no pressure mm. um and we almost have to listen. And it can be the same with walking. Yes. We're not necessarily looking at each other. We can walk away if we want to. Yeah. We can walk at a slower pace. We can speed up. Yeah. We can look at, we get to a difficult point and we can say, oh, look at that beautiful tree. And it diverts for a few minutes. It's a really yeah. good way and to work. You're saying about water. I mean, I mm. find water incredibly healing. They've got um, some lovely lakes um, at the aisle they've got some pools we're actually um the the river seven runs through the estate so you know there's lots of beautiful beautiful walks you know where we can either you know walk for five minutes if that's all you want to do walk for an hour then you know go back and have like tea coffee and biscuits you know and the people at the aisle have been incredibly supportive to me you know they've taken me in you know and they are really behind this this charity that I'm doing and you know it's just about getting something started and it's about starting a conversation because I know when I've spoken to people about what I've been through which is very traumatic um you can see their eyes glaze over because they can't really understand it Mm. because it's something so awful that you just can't get your head around it I respect that I respect that Mm. and you know that's why with my podcasts you know Obviously, I can't talk a lot in detail about it, but it's about, you know, um, reaching out to people. It might help one person. It Mm. might help 10 people. Mm. But even if it's just, and well, not just one person, but, you know, it's about believing people because nobody really believed what I said because I couldn't really say it. And, you know, it's very liberating Mm. to actually be able to say the words and, um yeah, so if anyone's interested, you know, contact me and, you know, we can sort something out because I think it's really important to sort of get a, get a conversation started so that you don't feel uh, alone because, you know, in my situation, it can be a very lonely place. Mm. And if you don't trust people, you become very isolated. And I know, you know, when people have found out because I'm not like, the next person people can shun you which you know is really mm. devastating so yeah. it, yes i'm trying to make it positive the the um, police actually know that i'm doing this doing this charity and they said it was really in in inspiring and other people who they see who have mm. gone through a similar thing they're actually going to tell them about me and what i've done because it's about making something really good making something really positive out of something awful and that's mm. really what i want to and- do that was what I was going to commend you on. Is I was going to say to you, you I'm are embarrassed. <laughs> no, 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 no. You are a warrior. You're you're a survivor, and not just that. 
you're reaching out to help help other people and that's very rare in your situation i believe mm. you know you you've been through something that you you struggle with but not not only have you got the strength to pull yourself out of it you want to pull others out of it too and that is inspirational and i would love everybody to try and help pixie and um, tell people about your podcast where can people find your podcast i um, want people to listen to it it's on podbean and mm. it's called pixie bell yeah and i've done i think there's about seven or eight on yeah. there i actually talked um I had an endoscopy actually a couple of days ago and I talked about that and about how the staff didn't really know how to treat me because I started panicking and all they kept sort of almost shouting at me saying, stop panicking, stop doing this, stop doing that. And they were aware of my mental health issues and it was, I came away feeling a failure because they couldn't carry on doing the endoscopy because I couldn't cope with it. And, you know, as I mean, Alex has listened to my podcast I did about my charity and I think uh, one I did called One Year On. Um, and it is, it's about being honest because, it, because if you can't be honest with people, there's no point in even talking about I it. I think people are often very surprised when others are honest. And this I is don't what think I they say, know what to do Yeah, and this is what I say when I'm working with people in the counselling room and I encourage them to communicate and ask for what they want. I always do it with a caveat and say... The people around you may be very used to you trying to be a people pleaser. They may be surprised when you start to ask for what you want. Be prepared. I feel like people can be too honest sometimes. I'll go around my, my nan-in-laws or something like that. I'll go and see them in Colombia and she'll be like, oh, you've put weight on. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, cheers. I, I, the sentiment's there. I get it. You care about my health, but you know. Um, well, look, we, we need to round this up because we've been going for an hour and a half, people. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's going to be very <laughs> long. Um Thank you so much, Carla, for joining us. Thank you. Uh, you can find me at carlabolton.co.uk. That's what I was about to say. Where can you find where, where can people yeah. find you, Carla? Yeah. Just uh, read your mind. Yeah, yeah I did. did. <laughs> no, I can't read people's minds. <laughs> Please don't tell people that. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a bit of love as well, like the Pixie. You've got a very nice understanding. You've got a very... Uh, you know, you can tell that you are good at what you do because Thank you're you. very easy to talk to. You're very, you kind of take in the knowledge can see it slowly come out as nice soothing words and that's really nice oh, yeah you know oh, it's nice. a lovely well, thing I, to say yeah without, without it's being true. Too, so without being too what's it I, I can i can also i can double that carla's Card, yeah. very 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 good at what she does yeah unlike you because um, you, you need to get into my oh i'm yeah. so thank you shane. <laughs> and thank you to my to my co-host shane as well i do love you buddy and you i know, love you too man uh we, we, we do we sometimes we sit here and we gush over each other like, <laughs> you are a beautiful man i love you i love you i love you i love you my son's here and i'm telling you i love you and not him i love you too son <laughs> i i hope you've been i know it's been a, a, a quite a, an awkward subject yeah to listen to but I wanted to um, to understand that it's okay to talk about things like this uh, I don't know if people are going to look at that and be like a teenager shouldn't be listening to stuff oh, like that but I think they should, they should. No, it's important. Yeah. no it's important for everyone yeah. to hear this can I just give the Green Oak Foundation please yeah, do, yeah, yeah, please do. Away. web address so we the Green Oak Foundation are in Shrewsbury they're a community interest company um, they are at www.thegreenoakfoundation.co.uk or at 01743-340-880. Please call. Please don't be on your own. There is someone to listen to you. Yeah. 
Well done. That's great. Um, I want to give a huge thank as well to uh, the guys at Meal, Meal Brace uh, Trinity Church. That's right, isn't it? Is that the right, correct name? Yeah, that'll do. Trinity Churches. Trinity Churches um, in Meal Brace. Uh, it's a really great venue. Thank you for letting us use that yes, here. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. And also, I want to say thank you Thanks, to everyone. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say thank you to everyone that got in touch as well. Because uh, when, we, when we announced that we were doing this show, I only have four microphones and I'd already promised Pixie that uh, you were coming on we'd already sorted out with Carlo and then I've got Mr. Flatcap over there that's four microphones you know I've um, got a name <laughs> um, so I, I couldn't I physically couldn't bring anybody else on the show um, and we did have a number of, number of I can't get the messages up but lots of people got in, <laughs> lots of people got oh, into yeah, it yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah I remember yeah. now yeah yeah. yeah yeah lots of people got in touch and um, there was one lady wasn't there that messaged she was really 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 keen she really wanted to come on and we were like it was a lame it was a lame pony Elaine, was it Elaine? Was it Elaine? I can't remember. I can't remember her name. Yes, I'm really sorry. I can't remember your name. It was Elaine. Um, yeah, uh, I do remember a message coming out. She really wanted to come on and, and talk and be involved. Um, and she we, wanted yeah. to mention she she does uh, she does training and she she works for PremierCareTraining.com, and uh, the. Uh, she says that she's passionate about mental health and uh, so much that she now trains companies in mental health awareness, which is what we were talking about before. In the workplace, so, yeah. In the workplace. In the workplace. And also, you know, if any of my colleagues do actually listen to this show, I want to say thank you for being understanding what, what I'm going through because uh, it's not easy, you know, having some guy just... To, it's it's weird that a bald guy can walk in and look like he's been dragged through a hedge backwards. <laughs> but I do sometimes. Well, you've got a beard like yours. It's probably not that difficult, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, thank you so much, um, you guys. This thank has been a really nice show. Thank I've really enjoyed this. On. It's been good. Thanks. And uh, make sure you guys uh, join us next week on the show. Um, thank you for sitting through with us. And if you've got anything to add, if you'd like to send us in any messages of support, anything to add, um, make sure you email us at shrewsburybiscuitpodcast at gmail.com or drop us a line on Facebook because we love your messages. And uh, yeah. Thank you very awesome. much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. And peace out. Peace out. Bye. Mm-hmm.